0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray, and this show will highlight successful businesses and their leaders, business trends, and growing industries within the state of Georgia. For our very first show, we are excited to have David Dieter, who is one of the founding partners of Frazier and Dieter, as well as Roger Lesby. And Roger is the leader and partner of the firm's Alpharetta office. Both are with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Thank John. You. Glad to have you. Many of our listeners here on Business Radio X are business owners who may be interested to hear how Frazier and Dieter has grown from two CPAs to become one of the largest firms in the U.S. And we're going to talk about that. But first, Roger, let's talk about uh, the plans for Frazier and Dieter Business Beat. Why are you doing the show and and what you've got in mind for this show and future shows?
1: Well, John, we're we're excited to partner with uh, North Fulton Business Radio so that we can bring a, a business beat a program that is going to air monthly uh, that we can talk about business leaders and their companies. And uh, honestly, I could think of no better business to start off our initial program with than our own Frazier and Dieter and uh, and one of my founding partners, David Dieter, who's been a partner of mine for oh, 37 plus years. And uh, it's been an
2: exciting run, David. Thank you, Roger. Um, I tell you, when we started, I don't think it's been quite 37 years, but it's it's been a long time. But um, you know, Jim Frazier, I started this firm in 1981. Um, like you said, John, just he and I and an assistant. And Roger joined us literally a matter of a few months later. And you know, one of the great advantages we had was to start in a great city like Atlanta. And Atlanta is so entrepreneurial and so many great business people here. And so we started in downtown Atlanta. And we always uh, had an eye toward growth, uh, even as a, a small firm. We so we started in downtown Atlanta, sort of fake it to uh, make it a little bit, and uh, we were lucky to get a few decent clients. So even fast forward 20 years, uh, we were uh, a good-sized firm, 55-, 60-person firm, and we kind of hit a crossroads like a lot of businesses do. Maybe some of our listeners, uh, like, we're doing pretty well, but what do we be when we grow up? So we went through a strategic planning process, and we said, you know, we, why don't we go ahead and just really go for it? And we've updated that religiously the last three years. And so, anyway, from that point, from a 55-person firm, we're about a 350-person firm now in several uh, states. We're obviously uh, headquartered here in Atlanta. We have an outstanding office in Alpharetta. We have an a office in Nashville, Tampa. We have office in Philadelphia. And we have a new office in uh, Manhattan.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Also Las Vegas. We just opened office in Las Vegas in the last few months.
0: You've got so much, it's hard to keep up mm-hmm. with it all, right? so. Talk about that approach to growth and and why has that been so successful for you, David?
2: Well, one of the things we were thinking through really, there's so many advantages to growing is it allows us to hire outstanding individuals. It allows us to serve bigger clients and high net worth individuals. So, you know, we're only here for such a short period of time and why not just try to grow and just have fun doing that? And so we've done this with again, with an eye toward hiring great people, serving great clients and uh, the growth and going to these other cities as a sense of excitement and also leadership opportunities. That's one of the reasons we and Roger, of course, led the Alpharetta uh, expansion. And we said, you know, the advantage of having these other offices is it gives leadership opportunities. We were growing up a lot of leaders. And if you have one office, it could limit the leadership opportunities. So we thought that was a really a strategic advantage and recruiting great people is that we can send them out to these uh, various great cities.
0: Yeah. And people are the name of the game, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've learned a lot of lessons during that time, uh, in terms of what to do, what not to do. You've acquired, you've opened offices de Novo, you know, talk about for business owners out there, some of the lessons you've learned in growing the firm.
2: Well, yeah, we've done all of that. We've, uh, we hire so uh, we've hired 40 kids a year out of school. We uh, hire uh, folks from uh, other large firms, small firms. We've done um, three or four mergers at this point. So all of that, you learn things. I, one of our, I guess our sec, our first merger out of the city was um, in Nashville, and it was a great firm. But uh, we learned some things out of that as far as technology, things we would do better. We They probably got really mad at us about some of the things we were doing on technology because when you merge it needs to be owned so that was a great lesson and um so really we i don't know i like all three hiring people uh out of school we're really fan of that and growing them up in your culture i guess one challenge obviously merging other firms in is is culture and how do you really make them become part of your history and part of your firm and your traditions
0: i'm glad you brought that up because you you've won a lot of awards for culture and for growth and for um some of the accomplishments that you've had. And one of the ones that you just won was Paysetter Firm for 20, uh, 2018. So talk about what is that award and and uh, why did you receive it?
2: Well, that's an award for years of continued growth as well as uh, they look at some of the things you're doing in technology and just firm expansion. So we have, we have uh, received a lot of awards and individual and firm. I think they're just recognizing that we are on uh, the path of growth, you know, in the CPA world, there are forty six thousand CPA firms. You, when you're driving all over town, you see them—they're one, two, and three man shops. And so now we're ranked, I think, fifty second in the country. So we're getting to rarefied air now. So yeah, we've been—we have been acknowledged for some of this growth and some of the leadership.
0: Talk about some of the areas of the firm that maybe aren't people wouldn't necessarily recognize a CPA firm for. You have fund administration, you have uh, wealth management. You've got several different areas of the firm that are uh, pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, we were fortunate almost 20 years ago, uh, three of our outstanding uh, men in the firm wanted to start a wealth advisory firm. And we were like, I I guess that sounds like a good idea. But now just to fast forward, it was a great idea. We have the largest CPA-based financial planning firm in the South by far. There's really no close second. I think it's 10th largest in the country. Uh, about $3 billion liquid assets, as uh, well as other strategies they're working on. So that's been a fun success. Like a lot of things, it's not a get-rich-quick business. You have to hire great people. So we were able to do a uh, lift-out in Philadelphia, and uh, we hired uh, 20 people and did a uh, fund administration. We got one big client to start with. So now we've gone to uh, adding a lot of other great clients. So that's a niche practice, kind of post-Madoff, these firms, these funds said, we really don't need to be doing our own financial statements. Mm. So not the outside audit as much, but we want somebody else to prepare these quarterly financial statements for great governance. And uh, so it's a new niche business that's arrived the last uh, multiple years.
0: I guess that's particularly important for illiquid funds funds like real estate funds. Exactly. Real
2: estate and private equity.
0: Right. Right. So what it sounds like is is opportunistic is really mm. the word that describes what some of your philosophy has been, because you've grown a lot of different ways. Get the right people, open de novo, make acquisitions. You've been really been opportunistic when the
2: right situation comes along. I would say we have. You have to definitively decide we're going to be open to these opportunities. But yeah, I mean, we, some of them are planned that we're really specifically looking for firms. But yes, things like the fund administration was just an opportunity to drop in a lap and we had to move quickly. Uh, it was something we had the first meeting about and within uh, two months we were in business.
0: Outstanding. So David, let's switch gears and, and put Roger on the, on the hot seat and talk about a really big story this year, which has been the new tax code, right? So, so the new tax code was signed into law in late December one of the biggest overhauls in the last, what, 30 years. Roger, what are some of the big changes that you see for business owners that they need to pay attention to and may have some advantages from?
1: Well, it was a uh, it was a tremendously big tax act. And of course, the president will tell you that as well. But it's things like the constant change in the tax laws. It's things like the tremendous growth that Atlanta's had. It's things like... Uh, Of our first 20 people within the firm, 10 of them are still part of our firm. Those are all reasons, I think, for our firm's success. And of course, for us to be successful, we have to have our clients be successful. And that's probably the most important thing of all. And so when this tax act was passed here three days before Christmas, there were a lot of calls being generated. Uh, How is this going to impact me? How is this going to impact my business? And there are some changes that took took place in 2017. They primarily are all beneficial. Uh, They deal with bonus depreciation and some things that we could pick up in the fourth quarter of 2017. But mostly all these changes apply to businesses in 2018. And that'll apply to both calendar year businesses as well as fiscal year businesses. And so as people may have read in the newspapers, there was a $1.5 trillion cut in total. But $1.4 trillion of that was all dedicated to one provision. And that was the cut in tax rates for large C corporations, uh, which took their tax rate from 35% down to 21%. And so now all of the C corporations, public and private, have a flat 21% rate. That they're going to be paying taxes on in 2018 and so that only leaves 0.1 trillion as far as the effect goes to all the other business provisions all the other individual provisions within the tax act and so you can see where the CBO thought that that was pretty balanced pretty well balanced out because there wasn't much of an advantage or disadvantage to people Now, I can tell you that with our clients, uh, because so many of them are are upper income taxpayers, their tax liabilities are probably going to go up because the decline in their rate isn't going to be offset by some of the deductions that they're losing. But where they may benefit is, is if they are owning and running those C corporations or if they're investing in those stocks. We had a pretty good stock market in 2017. And so that's where these folks can really benefit. Other changes with the businesses, I just look and see how this is going to affect our firm, David. And, uh, you know, we, we being a service company, we're, we're not entitled to the lower rates. We're not a C corporation. We're a partnership. So we're a pass-through. But the pass-through entities getting the lower rate and the 20% duct- deduction, it doesn't apply to your service companies, which are primarily your law, your medical, your accounting, your athletes. Uh, these were all dictated not to receive the lower tax rate. And so we're going to have to do a lot of planning with our clients to take a look at that and see who is going to uh, qualify for that 20% deduction. I think that's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest item in terms of complexity that we've got with our clients and some of the planning that we'll have to do in 2018. But We also have a lot of little things there that businesses are going to have to take account for. Uh, Entertainment expenses now are no longer deductible in 2018. So that means our suites, our tickets to concerts, our tickets to the Braves, to the Falcons, to UGA football games, these are not going to be deductible anymore, regardless of the business intent and regardless of who you take. Mm. So that was a big change. And what that means is is businesses are going to have to account for that differently. Meals and entertainment will still be deductible, but there'll be a 50% limit there. Uh, Parking for employees is no longer deductible unless it's included in the employee's income. So firms and companies are going to have to make that decision. Does it become non-deductible for us, the business entity, or do we treat it as compensation where our individual employees then Will pay taxes on that.
0: Yeah, so I think uh, folks, like you say, have focused on the change in the rate, but not some of these other little changes that they really need to get in and consult with you on and let you go walk them through because they've got some decisions that they really need yeah, to make. And,
1: and, and here they're going to have to change uh, some of their accounting and the way that they capture this information beginning in 2018. Another key point was the fact that a lot of smaller businesses now can use the cash basis method of accounting. Uh, typically, they had to use an accrual basis method, which was much more complicated for our, our clients if they had if they had material inventory. Now, companies that have twenty five million in revenue or less can use a cash basis method, whether they have inventories or not. And so, for a lot of our clients, that's going to be a, a change in accounting method that we can visit and see whether there's going to be a benefit or not to that company uh, beginning in 2018.
0: But the key point there, it seems to me, is come on in and let's talk about this, right? I mean, let's figure this out earlier in the year as opposed to later in the year when it's a lot harder to make that change.
1: I think what will happen is they'll wait until their 2017 tax returns are complete, and then that's when the planning for 2018 ought to start.
0: That sounds great. Now, let's talk a little bit about timing here in terms of changing your business to a C-Corp. You mentioned the advantages of having a C-Corp. If I don't have a C-Corp now, what do I need to be looking at in terms of the advice you would give in making
1: that change? Well, David Dieter would probably agree with me, but I think that that's been the number one question that we've gotten from most of our clients. Mm -hmm. Hey, Roger, I'm an S-Corporation. I'm an LLC. Does it make sense for me to change to a C-corporation given the new flat 21% tax rate? Generally speaking, I think the decision to change still does not make sense. And that's because there was the repeal of general utilities and C-corporations when they sell their assets are now subject to two levels of tax. They have a gain on the sale of the assets, and then they also have a, a tax consequent in distributing the money out to their shareholders, and I think it's that single fact that that is why we went to LLCs and to S corporations in such great abundance. Uh, I think that that's still there, and and that's a principal or primary benefit for folks maintaining or keeping their S status or their LLC status. But if you just look at the rate structure, if I'm an individual and I'm not even qualifying for the twenty percent deduction. I'm going to be paying tax individually on my income at the highest rate of 37%. If I'm a C corporation, I'm going to pay tax at 21%. And then if I dividend out the money, it's going to be taxed at 23.8% to my individual. Well, you can see where the sum of those two tax rates is slightly above the 37%. Plus you've got double taxation. But there could be some instances where changing to a C corporation could make sense, especially for those businesses where they leave a lot Mm. of capital into the uh, business and they're looking at the working capital for growth. Uh, For instance, our own business, we have to budget how much money we're going to leave in working capital in order to to sustain the growth that we're looking for. So uh, again uh they may they may uh they they may look at that and say that a C corporation might still make sense, but for other reasons.
0: Right. So it it, it all relates to growth and the type of business that you are, right? So if you're and you, you mentioned the services business, businesses getting left behind in terms of, of cuts, there there's what kind of uh advice would you give to those type of businesses?
1: Well, let's talk about some of the industries that we think did well with the tax act. Certainly, real estate is one of those. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The construction industry, I think, did well under this tax act. Our film credit industries certainly have done well under this tax act. And it's not that the individuals and the service companies did poorly. It's just that our rate was not decreased that much. Uh, It was 2.6%. And then we're going to be giving up deductions on the individual side.
0: Right. Right. So you mentioned some of these other industries. Frazier and Dieter's got a lot of experience in a wide variety of industries. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you bring to the table there in terms of the diversity of the industries that you work with?
1: Well, I think one of the exciting things with our growth, as, as David alluded to, is, is the fact that we, we almost have a client in, in, in every industry that I can think about across the board. Uh, we now serve public and private companies. Uh, we serve not-for-profit companies, uh, but mainly our bread and butter is still the, the closely owned business and their business owners, uh, because so much of the planning is then done at the individual level. But, but the, ma- the, the manufacturers, the light manufacturers, the distributors, uh, those are all industries that Atlanta has had a lot of success with, given our highway system, given our airport, given the fact that we are probably the capital of the south. Those are all industries that have really grown up nicely in the Atlanta community.
0: And as those industries have grown, Frazier and Dieter has grown as well. So back to David, if I can come back to you for a second, the talk about how much as the your industry expertise has grown, I mean, you brought on people to match that growth and that's had to have helped really your knowledge level and your expertise level across the firm because you've got a lot of great matter to bring to bear from a variety of offices and ge- geographies, right?
2: Yeah, John, I think that one of the um, things we thought about when you start your firm, in many ways you're, you're somewhat of a generalist because you have to touch so many industries and so many individuals and businesses. And as we've grown, we have brought in subject matter experts, industry experts, And uh, you you alluded to the entertainment. That's a growing um, niche for us, and uh, we probably touch sixty movies a year. We have we work with a couple of the big uh, sound stages or studios here in Atlanta, and that's a big uh, that's a new driver, and it's a lot of fun. And um, but that's driven, of course, by the Georgia Film Credit, and uh, so we work closely with the Film Commission and the Georgia Department of Revenue on, on that industry. But that's another that's a deep specialty there. Uh, one thing, Roger, when we're, I'm, not, I'm not changing the subject, but I was thinking one of the, at, one of the as Roger was talking about the tax bill, yeah. one of the things that I think it's driving that these a uh, lot are in, it, you will see more foreign bound, uh, inbound companies coming from overseas. Because when they were thinking, they're thinking about coming to the U.S. now at 21%, they're coming. We are very competitive on that tax rate now. And so not that that alone will make them come, but if, if they were close, why not now come to the biggest market? Uh, in the world, and uh, so we're, we've seen a lot. We've been talking to a lot of foreign companies that are that are coming. So I think that was interesting. We'll see how that stimulates the economy over the next, you know, multiple years. And, and of yeah. course,
1: we have the flip side of that. You might have had companies thinking about leaving that now will stay. Sure. And certainly, that's a point that the president has emphasized over and over again.
0: Sure. And you know, Atlanta's got a, the Atlanta metro area has a big nexus of. Foreign companies, anyway, so that really hopefully helps encourage further expansion in our direction,
1: right? Absolutely, and and this tax act, what I think was very beneficial, uh, it made monumental changes in our international tax regime, uh, and uh, you know we've even seen some of the tremendous announcements from some of the big companies like Goldman Sachs and Apple with their fourth quarter uh, impact. Uh, trying to estimate what the uh, what the new federal tax act has done to them and reporting it accordingly. So it'll be very, very interesting to see, uh, as David alluded to, uh, what the internal growth might be generated from not only existing companies staying, but from foreign bound companies coming to the United States and increasing their presence here.
0: That's exciting stuff for anyone that's here in the Atlanta area uh, where we sit. So that's uh. That's exciting for all of us. You
2: think about the ripple effect on real estate and all the other service providers. I mean, they're they're coming and they're coming to Atlanta.
1: Good stuff. But we'll have to have a special show just dealing with the international side as well. Sounds
0: like we may need to have more <laughs> than one. So that's that's a good problem to have, right? So as we wrap up here, uh, Roger, any final thoughts that you have uh, you want to share on the tax bill or, or uh, other things that you're looking at?
1: Well, I think with any new tax bill, and and this was really a substantial tax act, as much reading as you can do, as much understanding as you can do, and how that applies to your personal business or your personal situation, I think that that's important. We're obviously big believers in planning and planning ahead and trying to look at that impact. And so we hope that our clients will will certainly uh, get with us to do that. But I think that it's always important to try to understand what the new laws are going to be. Uh, how they're going to impact you, and then whether there's ways that we can benefit from that.
2: David, do you have anything you would want to add? Well, one thing we alluded to the um, entertainment, one little thing, these film credits uh, are even more valuable now. One of the changes is uh, our state deduction, state and real estate taxes of an individual being limited to $10,000. So the extent you can cut your state tax by buying film credits, something that uh, everyone really needs to think about.
0: Great stuff. So let me remind everyone that Fraser and Dieter is an award-winning national CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and, and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FrazierDieter.com. We've been fortunate today to have been joined by David Dieter, one of the founding partners of Fraser and Dieter, and Roger Lesby, partner in charge of the firm's Alpharetta office. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you, John.
0: We look forward to being with you next time for another edition of Fraser and Dieter's Business Beat here on Business Radio X.